that was close. Yeah, I wish people could see Zach's yeah. face. For the record, I, I just want to be clear with you too that I'm very tempted already to edit that part out, and I will not. I will leave Please that don't. in there. No. I will leave that in there. It's good. And this is my last official invite on For Fintech's Sake. <laughs> Welcome to For Fintech's Sake, hosted by Zach Anderson Pettit. Zach is managing director of an accelerator called Fountain City Fintech and VP at MBKC Bank. For Fintech's Sake is a broad look at the world of fintech. Building the future of financial services requires deep understanding of both technology and finance. From the perspectives of founders, investors, and incumbents, we will explore the stories of people living at the intersection of finance and technology. All opinions expressed by Zach and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect those of MBKC Bank. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hi, and welcome back to a special episode of For Fintech's Sake. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. This week is a special one, as it's actually the last week of program before the big demo day for Fountain City Fintech on October 15th. So with that, you're actually going to get to meet one founder each day this week leading up to demo day. So we have five founders in our cohort, one per day. It's beautiful math. My guest this week is Aaron Papworth, CEO of Navit. Navit is exactly what it sounds like. It exists to help humans navigate their finances and build the future of wealth. Even more specifically, Aaron's focused on building a company that speaks directly to the feminine experience with money. She'll explain more in the interview, so I won't mansplain here. The other piece that's a little bit special this week is we have a co-host. Our co-host is actually NBKC Bank's CEO, Brian Unruh. He'll be sitting in... This episode, he makes me look like a bit of an idiot, but his general duty outside of generally giving me shit is to speak from a banker's point of view and generally just kind of give you a respite from my incessant questioning. We figured a, an additional voice might not be a bad thing. I hope you enjoy this week's episodes and getting to meet all these founders, but specifically today, I hope you enjoy this episode with Aaron Papworth. Hi, my name is Erin Papworth. I'm the founder of Navit, N-A-V.IT. And uh, the purpose of Navit is to really help women build a future of wealth. We are providing a tool in the marketplace that helps not only aggregate accounts and daily money management, like a budget tool, but really overlays our AI and our product with an inclusive view and lens about financial management from diverse points of view, and specifically from kind of the unique experience women have with finances that is nuanced and has financial implications. I love it. Brian, how'd you get in this room? Well, an invite from you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> so I just want to be clear that, you know, there's a, there's a relationship here. It's well, contractual. it feels like this needs some adult supervision every now and then. So <laughs> I think that's why you invite me. That is very fair. For context, Brian, what do you do with the bank? I am the CEO here at NBKC. Uh, a little over 20 years, so I was one of the founding members, I like saying that, of the bank a long, <laughs> long time ago. Beautiful. Co-founders in the room. I'm yes. the only non-co-founder. All right, so I'll try and watch my fucking mouth since I have the CEO in the room. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> do it. I'll do my best. Um, okay, so finance for women. What? Why Why is that a thing that you're focused on? Like, give me the Aaron background that, like, led you to this thing oh. like, through Africa and everything. You. Do you have an hour? Um, I, I spent not quite. Yes, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will be succinct. <laughs> uh, I spent twelve years in sub-Saharan Africa working. I started actually. I went as a tourist um, to a safari lodge. I got offered a job, um, and thought, 
I can't be 21 and offered a job to run safaris in one of the most beautiful places in the world and not take it. So, and ultimately I did want to get into development work. So, you know, if you're there, opportunities, it's like show up and opportunities arise. So I then hopped over into health and I worked in, um, war zones with Doctors Without Borders, got a really great (laughs) full inundation of understanding of like how systems are so important and and when they break down, how hard it is on human development and economic development. Um, And then really also an understanding of how pivotal women in the overall economic system are uh, to success and to not only ensuring that the society is functioning and growing, but that the next generation has the ability to move forward. So um, in development work, basically, the kind of standard pro quo is like, if you don't focus on women, the next generation, your your economic development isn't going to occur. You educate 10% more women through the health, through the education system, your GDP goes up by 3%. So it was really, I was steeped in that towards the end of my career and um, working with marginalized populations and women, um, it became very clear how important that was. So when I came back to the United States um, in 2015, I was looking around, I was working for an, a group actually trying to prevent senior fraud amongst, um, you know, 92-year-old young w- or women that are being defrauded. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, my passion is preventative medicine. If you get, There is something happening in the United States right now that is profound. The laws have shifted since the 1970s that have allowed women to really participate in the labor market at a, at a phenomenal rate and meaningfully and that means ultimately have access to their own personal income and assets which has not been true historically talk so, about the the yeah. big thing that happened in the 70s about access to credit i mean that oh, was something that you know i love this story yeah. <laughs> so and this is you know bank you know best part about banking is so the equal opportunity credit act i think i got that right um of 1974 mandated that p- banks could not discriminate um access to credit based on gender and that prior to that banks could have made a woman get a male signature for any sort of credit line so women could actually finally access it on their own and that's you know access to credit and this is what i saw in africa with like weak financial systems access to credit is a fundamental point of where you can grow not Mm -hmm. only personal wealth but an economy so that totally shifted the other thing a couple things that happened in the 70s was just access to the labor markets in a more meaningful way and that's through things like birth control that allows them not to have um, economic or you know household pressure Um, equally the pregnancy act of 1979 allowed for the first time it was illegal to um, fire a woman for being pregnant so that is another huge shift where it allows women to, you know, meaningfully Yeah, meaningfully a lot of stuff access. that we take for granted today. But totally. Back in the day. I mean, it, it reminds me in a lot of ways, and I'm curious about your kind of pulling apart of the analogy or the metaphor, but in so many ways it reminds me of segregation shifting to integration. And then there's this kind of, you know, this kind of forced, like, let's go this direction as society. And then, you know, maybe society actually moves as fast as the law dictates. Maybe it doesn't. Like, how, how do you feel that 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 society has actually moved in correlation with? Like, how far behind are we? Uh, Has 1974 actually resulted in financial equality? Or, like, 
what has Ooh. happened there. Oh, and by the way, listeners, we're going to be tearing apart a lot of really awkward subjects today. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> enjoy this while I like, hop from lily pad to lily pad and try not to stick my foot in my mouth. Right. No, I actually think this is exciting actually for men and women. So I really like, I love having this conversation with both sexes because it's, it's this huge opportunity for both of us, for all of us. It, it's as good for men, for women to understand the financial market as it is for women. I think that this only helps our society grow holistically. Yeah. yeah. So um, you, you had a couple questions in there. I think first and foremost, it has fundamental, like that kind of access, not only to be able to make your own money, but to be able to grow your own wealth has fundamentally changed our experience. Mm-hmm. I, it, the other thing I didn't mention in the 70s is that we got access to higher education. So it was only 1977 that Yale integrated with, like allowed women to graduate, right? like Princeton, Harvard. Harvard was 77. I think that like Princeton, like the were like 74. You yeah. didn't know that because I had no idea. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So there were other, there were women's colleges, like auxiliary colleges, but they weren't, you know, they That's weren't wild. actually so Harvard. credit access came before. I think, I think her, yeah, I'm good. Not by law. I mean, whatever, they were close. All in the same. And you, to your point about segregation, it was actually piggy. It was piggybacked off of the civil rights. The, the reason women got all these votes is because when the the civil rights movement was right. occurring in the 60s women were f- very influential in helping that move that forward and they threw in they were like hey we've been fighting since like the early 1900s right. for this you know right to vote no one's been like moving this forward mm-hmm. you guys like got the civil rights movement let's throw in the equal pay as an amendment to the civil rights movement in the 60s and that started pushing this so it's like this is all very much married together yeah and there's a really interesting if you ever want to go down it's like a there's radical, a reason you studied complex systems oh something. this i mean yeah that's like i mean oh <laughs> you could you could really learn about that forever but yeah so then so the 60s civil rights movement some women's equal pay kennedy was trying to like helped a little bit with the equal pay stuff not obviously the well, anyways I'm not digressing to the equal rights amendment but <laughs> then the 70s was like when the there was space for women to kind of insert themselves and some more women had become um government of like had been polit- became politicians so that mm-hmm. same movement we had a, like last year or whatever there was a big like when anyways there was a big kind of movement of <laughs> been, women a good group of women not i know to digress. it's me trying to not do history which is really where i get happy so <laughs> well so let's, let's yeah. because i know that you and i can go down these rabbit holes yes. um let's bring it up to today and i think this is kind of we were quickly talking at the beginning about the fact that mbkc has a bit of a focus on women too so i'm curious kind of what brian's two cents on this is but like my perception um, personally and something that I say maybe too often and maybe too publicly is that from my my perspective, a lot of fintech is white men building for other white men. Um, that's not your perspective. That's just truth. Well, okay. This has been validated by others, <laughs> yeah. apparently. But it, it is a bit of a it is a bit of an issue. Most of the venture capital is going to that direction. You yeah. know, if you look in New York and San Francisco, like there's a lot of like C1, B1. And if everybody is a white guy, one, then like it just manifests itself that way. So I guess the question is like, where do we stand today? What is like the state of financial equity on the gender side of things and uh-huh. some of the stats around that? And like, why is Ella Best outside of you kind of the main one in the space that is going that direction? It's a great question. I think from a venture perspective and fintech perspective, it's a conglomeration of multiple things. Like women are already not in tech. So you have, that's a deficit. And then women are already not in finance. Mm-hmm. So fin- putting that together is just, yeah. you're not, there's just not a significant And not amount. a ton in venture, I guess that makes Well, not a ton too. in venture too. And you see, but you see like the, the unicorns, the female founded unicorns, in the, which have been many in the last yeah. year are all 
fashion, beauty, mm-hmm. you know, the typical female industries that are dominated by women yeah. and where they're getting access to money are those venture funds. And this is just an industry like my dream is to have like now these harder, you know, health and finance get some female billion dollar unicorns there like now have mm-hmm. the hearts of because this is where the money this is where the money i mean all of its money but the financial system is the core to move pushing the needle forward on on venture on you know products for women and for overall economic growth so that's a tech side from a female side like just in general like labor market and economic side there's just a fundamental, and this is where we're where we're trying to differentiate ourselves. It's like there's a fundamentally different narrative for women in the trajectory of their overall economic growth. Women get like, and and the financial system has always only had to, not their fault necessarily. You, men have always had access to the money, so the male narrative and the male trajectory has been the the norm, and that's okay. Like that's what it was. Legally, it shifted in the 70s. Now women have a narrative and they have a meaningful participation in the economic world, but it's different. Like our trajectory is just fundamentally different. I will give you some statistics because you know I love them. So 43% of women in this country will at some point take a career pause. And then everyone knows that, and that's for both you know, elder care, child care, just care responsibilities. How long is that pause? There's not a good average, but it's between two to 12 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, because you know, you start having multiple kids, and you want yeah, they get to school, quickly. blah blah blah. Yes, it does. It does. Um, so, from a financial perspective, then you have all these questions. So, like, should we be take from from a wealth management perspective? Should we be taking higher risks when we're younger because we know we might have a pause because we you know because we are going to earn less, but then we have this burden of earning less and still having student debt at the same rates as men. Fifty six percent of college mm-hmm. grads now are women. Student debt is huge with that. You, you're going to go into industries where you're, you know, there's, I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah. Right. You get it. The other kind of key thing in this from a financial perspective is life expectancy. So women on average live three to five years more than men, which means that they not only are um, need more money towards the end of their lifetime, but also are um, have a heavier economic price to society. Yeah. Right. Medicare, Medicaid, you know, Medicare really is predominant by women because they're alive <laughs> you know they need to be mm-hmm. so and so and what happens towards that part of life is then there's a wealth transfer from men to women at some point you know especially historically and they are then left managing the money and have um if they haven't this is where now it comes in, like if we haven't built up the understanding of financial systems and they're taking over the wealth management multiple things can happen you know you can you can mean sustain it you could change it, which happens often. 80% mm-hmm. of women that, that divorce or are widowed change financial advisors at some point, like at that time. Wow. Right? Because there's, so from a financial spe- perspective, it actually is in the interest of the financial industry to start figuring out how to speak to women so that they can ensure that their wealth and the actual investment that they're making yeah. and when they start to make the decisions yeah. not only when they have their own money but when they get the wealth transferred really still is meaningfully in the market so you're painting a little bit of a bull case here for <laughs> the idea of like focusing on women for the next however long and it just seems like there's been a sense of like whoops we forgot for a while there and everything that you just named seems like it's a it, it makes sense to focus on and kind of coming over to the the bank side of this like this is a at least at a high level a conversation that i think is happening in the world right like yeah 
even if you don't totally understand the nuance of it, like people feel like they are supposed to talk about it kind of in some way, shape or form. So I think even in banking circles, like it's a conversation and maybe some action is happening. Maybe it's not, but like, what, what do you see in the world of banking with this, Brian? And like, how do you think about it as a CEO of MBKC? I think it's particularly cool when you can line up what should be done with what makes good business sense. So I think that's, we obviously love to do the right thing whenever we can, but sometimes business gets in the way of, uh, you know, going too far down that road. But with this respect, I think it definitely makes good business sense to, to try to, you know, work on the female sector because they're making, I think on average, well over 50% of the financial decisions for their households. They generally decide what bank they're going to bank with as a family. I think, as Aaron mentioned, maybe on the investment side, that's probably still a little slanted toward the husband or the male side of that relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think back down to the basic uh, banking level, the the female of that relationship is making that decision the majority of the time. So for us, I think it makes good business sense to talk to the audience that is going to be making the decisions. I have a question about how, um, why do you think that it's so hard for the for banking world to engage with women? Good question. Yeah. Perception still is so powerful. As you were talking, I was thinking about historically your stories of, you know, a, a young female that goes into the mechanic shop <laughs> and just gets ripped off. Yeah. And this, I, I have that story. Yeah. Yeah. And a you know, I don't know anything about cars anymore. I used to when they were real simple, but there's no way I could now go in. basically a, software. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But the perception is still there that I, I think it still actually happens that that mechanic thinks he can shove a bigger bill, you know, on a female versus a male just because of that perception. And I also love riddles. And I was thinking about a, an old riddle of uh, this kid gets in a car wreck and it's pretty serious. They get him to the emergency room. Oh, I love this one. And yeah. the uh, nurse calls the dad, and he lives about 20 miles across town, and said, your son's been in a horrible, horrible car accident, but we need permission from a parent to perform surgery. And he said, yeah, 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 absolutely. And so they wheel him in, and the surgeon looks down and says, I can't operate on this young man. It's my son. And, yes, that's generally the look I get. <laughs> Zach get is looking at me. <laughs> Like it took me a sec. His head just <laughs> tilted like a puppy when you do a high pitch. Yeah, I, I tried to avoid the actual mm, <laughs> but I definitely had a mm. So if you think about the conversation we're having, maybe you could solve this riddle. Just put me on the spot. Who's the who's the doctor? The, the doctor surgeon. Would, who's the surgeon? The surgeon I I don't know. You've you've stumped me. What do you how, mean? The how surgeon many, is the financial system. How many parents thinking, how many parents does that son have? And we called the dad clear across town. Ah, because he has to check with his wife. No? The surgeon is his mom. The surgeon is the mom. mom. But that Mm -hmm. is what I'm talking about of perception. It's really hard. (laughs) I think the only thing that's going to change that that over the years. (laughs) 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 I heard that in college and I remember it blowing my mind. I can absolutely say that's the most fun I've had today. That was classic. Yeah, I wish people could see Zach's uh, face. For the record, I, I just want to be clear with you too that I'm very tempted already to edit that part out, and I will not. I will leave Please that don't. in there. No. I will leave that in there. It's good. And this is my last official invite on for fintech sake. Yeah. <laughs> You're never allowed back. 
<laughs> no, but so now that I'm caught up to the conversation with the rest of the room, that actually it, that riddle makes a lot of sense as a thing that pops up in your head. And perceptions. It's just yeah. going to take Perception. more and more and more time because you can't change that stuff overnight. But having the conversation about it, I think, is the most important part. I That's what I, changes. It's so profound, and I think to your point about wow profound it was it, it is like that you get that you're acknowledging and saying it as a bank in a financial system you guys you guys you know accepted me into this program like it's we're talking about it that's i think things that's so important i think the other side is you guys hearing what we have to deal with so the mechanic is a good example my ex, my experience was um i went to buy a car you know i had lived in africa i came back and this and a single woman very capable of paying for a car i'm you know and he told this guy told me he literally, his sales pitch to me was, you should really buy the car with me because every other person you go to is going to try and screw you and I'm like giving you a good deal. So buy with me kind of little girl. And I, I walked out of that place fuming. I had done my research. I knew his deal was okay, but not as good. And I was yeah. just like big fat middle finger. I'm out of here. Like you can't do that to me anymore. Right? Like that, it was historically the story, but I'm making financial choices for myself I'm a good customer I pay my like my credit is amazing you need me now I am now your customer you need to make your quota all of a sudden you got to start talking to me you got to start talking to me like a human not, mm-hmm. or like an equal as not a, as opposed to yeah so, so let, that's constant let, let's pull on that anger thread because that takes us directly yeah, to see? that takes us yeah. directly to habit right that's the beauty of it it's like I got yes, really pissed I'm... and I'm gonna start a thing because it comes out of I'm a, not you know. pissed. the thing is I'm not <laughs> I'm just like so talk, talk to us about the yeah. motivation. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding yeah. to a certain degree, but like, what yeah. is the thing that made you say, I'm going to jump off a freaking building and build a you know, <laughs> well. neo bank for <laughs> women? And like, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth again, but yeah. um, why? Why? Yeah. Uh, what is every entrepreneur's response to that? There's a little bit of stupidity, but joy <laughs> and passion. Um, and outside of the stats, like really what is it like that gets you out of bed every morning? Because I know you can give me the stats and all sure. that kind of stuff, but like what is I, it really? I fundamentally believe this is needed in society. I think that it, the, you guys live through the, I mean, a found, like a 20 year veteran of, yeah. of this, but the financial crisis, I think, um, you know, I was, I was, I'm old enough that I was in the market when that happened, but I was overseas. So I watched it kind of from afar going, what is going on in this world? Like yeah. what has happened? And I, and you just, we know innovation, um, globalization, tech, everything that's happening in the world. If we don't re- and again, half of your labor market is now much more vibrantly participating. So the economic benefit to having a robust labor market that was historically suppressed, and now mm-hmm. you have 50% of your market, 51% of your population now participating meaningfully in your your economy. It is fundamental for the health of this country, and I'm a, having lived abroad, I'm very patriotic, and like we have an amazing financial system mm-hmm. that is really unprecedented. And now that everyone can participate in it, it's time to push it forward and start to have those conversations and recalibrate the conversation. It doesn't mean the male narrative goes away. It just includes the other narratives mm-hmm. and, and pushes and grows wealth for everyone. Um, and that needs nuance. That needs yeah. that needs an understanding of the differences. Yeah. So 
leaning, like pulling the why and then moving on to kind of the, the what. So yeah. we've painted a picture pretty clearly, I think, of the problem. <laughs> I think we're, <laughs> we're all on the same page about yeah. that part. What What is the solution? Right? Because, I mean, there's all these fintech apps out there. There's yes. all, like, there's banks. <laughs> like, you sign up for this, you sign up for that. Elevest exists. Like, what is... Yes. What is the, the gap that you're filling? So from our perspective, I think it's marrying really good fintech, really good products and services that make users' lives easier. We're all trying to make our users, the fintech space, we're all trying to make our, our users' lives easier. Yeah. So giving them efficient tech that helps, helps them manage their daily life. That is married, from my perspective, with the feminine narrative, like with the feminine conversation. And what that means to us is acknowledging that it exists, educating around it, and showing users, whether they be men or women, that there are other people like them, that this narrative is not just their narrative. This is happening as a collective, like other people are experiencing these issues and other people are succeeding. I think that's the key. And just to your point, like you didn't think of that surgeon because you don't have an example in your head Mm -mm. of five different female surgeons in your, right? But like, let's say hypothetically you did, that answer would have been much more immediate because you have a, a precedent. You've seen other women like you or like other surgeons doing these things, right? And mm-hmm. so this is part of the narrative. Like I see, which I have to also give credit to Brian and this bank, like I see three C-level people at this bank are women that are young and vibrant and beautiful and making things happen mm-hmm. and and participating meaningfully in the leadership that is incredible like that to the next generation or even to me not in the banking system isn't it has gives shows me a path to success and shows me a narrative that i can follow because no matter what if i you know listen to a sem- i can't see my path forward with that but if i talk if i see these women and the way that they're participating it's it Again, it just sets a precedent that creates um, confidence, I think, and and a, commu- a sense of community that we can all do this, and you're smart enough, and you're valuable, and there is a road to success. So we marry tools and efficiency and your budget and management with this overlay of, of value and community mm-hmm. and education. So is it fair to say, like, kind of at the end of the day, there's there's a lot of things out there today that maybe look like like if you look at feature set maybe like kind of similar probably some deposit ability over the next however many months yep maybe debit card or whatever coming in the next year or two or whatever it is like kind of the standard roadmap but the filter is very different the way that the communication happens is very different and like the best of breed kind of apps or kind of partners that you're bringing in are going to be different and kind of filtered in a different way yeah and we're adding community so like you you know you can talk you can talk about your issues you can hear other people's yeah. issues and the third one is coaching yeah so we're really building out a virtual coach which other people have to some degree um, that that helps set up you know different markers and indicators and education but it really uniquely identifies people's needs yeah. and and uh, and allows um, the user to value their experience yeah so I think like one one maybe kind of do you have some Brian Jump I just in. want to ask real quick what as I'm thinking about your business, it seems like this would be maybe one of your bigger challenges to get over. As you were talking about civil rights and ECOA back in the 70s, there was a really strong push from minorities, from females to get those things. So that helped finally get some of that stuff over the finish line. With what you're doing today, 
do you feel like there's that big of a push coming from the female population to, you know, maybe it's, a, I, I'm spe- I'd be speculating, but it's not really broken. So why do we need to go fix it? It's yes, my husband takes care of a lot of stuff, but it works for us. So do you look at that as a challenge of growing Navit? I think that's a great question. Um, I think with the last two years of, or three years really, of um, what this kind of third wave of women's equality movement that's occurring, there is an incredible demand for this. Young women want something that speaks to their experience. And, and this kind of, you know, the 1970s shifted so that this generation, this millennial generation, is the first one that has to deal with all this. This is also something I want to acknowledge from, from a partnership perspective for men and women. It's like this is the first time there's been this much pressure on partnership and marriages that women are work. both partners are working outside the home, and you need that now to be middle, middle class, right? Like you need more income. Women are working outside the home. Who's taking care of the kids? all the things that you need now and the you know there's just this is the first generation that has all these problems so acknowledging that and and valuing that it's different and that these conversations need to be had i also is i think people are dying for someone to tell them you're not alone and this is happening and we could do this together and there is a narrative to be had and and ultimately in the long run by allowing women to understand this this narrative and their under their experience with the financial industry and the mm-hmm. industry accepting them more, they're gonna you're you're gonna be a better partner to your husband or girlfriend or whatever you know whatever your sexual orientation is. You become a partner in building a building a life together and and managing the household, thinking of the household management as part of the overall investment and wealth management of your household and your family, and allowing men to see that this is. You know, they don't have to have the same narrative they always had either. And mm-hmm. now we can all come to, we can all understand the way the system works mm-hmm. and navigate it together to build wealth ultimately for for all of us in society. So I, I thank you. It's like it's a great question. I do think it's I think it's the market is ripe and ready for it. So that is uh, one last question, and then kind of finishing things up. Turning to you, Brian, we we the way that the accelerator kind of works just for for the listeners is, you know, Megan and myself, my program manager and myself, we work and throughout the year to figure out who the top 10 kind of companies that we find are. And, you know, we bring those 10 companies to bear on one day and then out the other end comes the top five. It's generally kind of, you know, hopefully the better companies and everything else, but it also aligns because of partnership with the bank and hopefully we can do more things together down the line. And also, I mean, we're making investments, so there's a portion of it that's just like, do we have, do we have some sense of faith uh, that capitalistically things are going to work out, right? Um, and candidly, I think there from the outside was probably some like, mm, Navit? Always. Like, yeah. number one, you know, you're from Seattle, so we spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley, we spent a lot of time in New York, and like, haven't spent a ton of time in Seattle, but it's much more the fact that you're focused on the other half of society, right? It's the <laughs> fact that you're focused on women. It, it kind of catches people off guard. Um, so can you talk a little bit just about like what the hell we were thinking um, when we kind of decided to bring Navid into the top five and kind of why we as a bank are kind of going this direction and making the investment? Sure. Obviously, we're making some bets on some companies on yeah. the investment side, but I think much more than that, it's about the people. We're betting on people, and I think for us to consider an accelerator company a success 
would be were we able to help them. So, you know, I think Erin with her company, when we first met her and got to talk to her and listen to her pitch, it jumped out that that would be a company that hopefully we can pitch in, roll our sleeves up, and help her go build in a good, positive way. And obviously the bank partnership is an important part of the accelerator too. We we want to help our balance sheet eventually. Uh, we're hoping she goes and gets a couple hundred million dollars of good deposits that people want to stick right here and, and <laughs> then we'll take off from there. And so, yeah. <laughs> so all those things are good. But yeah, ultimately the people is I think how we end up deciding who really needs to be here and who we hopefully can help the most. Well, speaking of people, Aaron, what is the best way to get a hold of you? If they're an investor, if they're whoever, maybe want to be a user and test it out, what's the best way to learn about you and learn it, get a hold of you and learn about Navit? Well, I was going to ask real quick, yeah. if I want to be a user, do I have to have a pseudonym with a... No! <laughs> That's the best part. also a good question. Okay. Also you a good know, question. 15% of our users are men. Okay. And we right. welcome more of them. <laughs> and actually, part of our roadmap in thinking in building this, and, and just one other thing about MBKC that I got to plug for you guys is I have never felt so included and respected and like an equal pl- partner entrepreneurially as a leader than I have felt in this cohort. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity and that you guys took a chance and, and said, let's let's have these awkward and com- like uncomfortable conversations. I really, it's a testament to you guys. And I need, and, and also you can help me build the business because, you know, as a female founder and not a financial, um, you know, background, it's like a dream to be able to work so closely with a bank that's open enough to have these conversations to really co-create. And that's, yeah, it's been a pleasure. So thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, yeah. We'll pay you later. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> or no, we already did. That's I wanna, we oh, yeah, about you already did. Oh, yeah, okay. I forgot about that. Just listening to Aaron, I want to tack on my last answer, too. I, I would be definitely remiss if I didn't say a big part of why we're doing all this is we are getting uh, the ability to learn. We're, as an executive team, you mentioned, it's teaching us how to think differently about solving kind of the age-old bank problems. And so having, you know, founders like Aaron in here, we're sucking info out of their brain, whether they know it or not. So that's a (laughs) big, big part of who we want here is people we can learn from. At least I have something. When I talk, someone listens. That's really nice. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So if you want to find us, so you can go to navit, N-A-V-I-T dot I-O. And that's the landing page. You can look at our product. We're also we're in the Apple Store and Android. We're on both. Um, you can find us at Let's Navit, L-E-T-S Navit, Let's Navit on all social, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then I'm at Aaron Papworth. Thanks for listening to another episode of For Fintech's Sake. If you want to learn more about Navit or the cohort at Fountain City Fintech, please come to Demo Day on October 15th. We've got Camber, AKA Q2 and Stone Castle sponsoring alongside the Kauffman Foundation and a local group called Launch KC. It should be a party. It should be a true celebration of entrepreneurship in Kansas City and FinTech throughout the nation. So we'd love to have you there. Just search Fountain City FinTech Demo Day on the Google machine and it'll be the first thing that pops up. If you're not in Kansas City and you wanna chat, please reach out to me personally at zach.pettit at nbkc.com and we can connect there. Otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Zach Pettit. Last thing for the day and last thing basically for the next couple weeks is if you're heading to Vegas for Money 2020, please reach out. Aaron, myself, and the whole Fountain City FinTech cohort, uh, the MBKC Bank team, we will all be down there and we'd love to connect. 
So please get in touch. And until then, keep finteching it up, folks.